0: it's you who's
1: backwards." Emily Waltham is the woman you know is never really going to be the one. Like so many of the love interests on Friends, Ross's second wife is an example of the stepping stone love interest, a character who serves as a transition to the OTP, or one true pairing in a story. And Emily is the most hated version of a stepping stone, the first runner-up or the greatest threat to the show's main couple, Ross and Rachel. "'It's Ross. How can I watch him get married?' On friends, Emily is painted as controlling, difficult and paranoid, not chill enough to fit in with the other friends like Rachel. But if you look at the facts, Emily's behavior is not that unreasonable. She's swept off her feet by a guy who acts like he's crazy about her, who pushes her into a whirlwind wedding that happens faster than she wants. Then he shocks and humiliates her by saying his ex-girlfriend's name at the ceremony. It been
0: worse, he could have shot her
1: and, um, invite said ex on their honeymoon. I mean, I I, I have two tickets, why not? What human would be comfortable with her husband then hanging out constantly with that ex? Actually, we should empathize with Emily. She's up against a secretly emotionally unavailable man, his fairly hostile group of friends, and even a team of writers and an audience fiercely predisposed to hate her. Let's take a closer look at Emily, the runner-up love interest, and what we can learn from her side of this story.
0: We have to understand how humiliating it was for me up on that altar in front of my entire family, all my friends.
1: If you're new here, be sure to subscribe and click the bell to be notified about all of our new videos. To understand Emily's descent from wide-eyed, joyful girlfriend to jealous, fearful wife, let's look at friends from her perspective. Londoner Emily is having a supremely bad visit to New York.
0: I've already been run down by one of your wiener carts. I've been strip searched at John F. Kennedy Airport.
1: Her uncle's employee Rachel is supposed to take her to the opera, but at the last minute Rachel stands her up and sends her out with some guy Emily doesn't know at all. She's already seeing someone back home, a guy named Colin, but to her great surprise, her immediate connection with Ross leads them to a romantic bed in breakfast in Vermont, and she even finds herself drawn to the potential for something deeper. "'That girl just spent the entire evening talking to your friends, asking to hear stories about you. I mean, you don't do that if you're just in it for two weeks." Ross chases Emily to the airport to tell her he loves her, awkwardly catching her off guard. "'I love you.'"
0: "'Thank you.'"
1: but the showy display of feeling gets in her head. When she gets home, she ends things with Colin and even goes for a romantic grand gesture herself, flying back to New York to tell Ross she loves him back. As sweet as Ross acts with her in these early stages, his behavior has the classic hallmarks of love bombing, showering another person with attention and affection in a really short period and pushing them for a quick commitment.
0: Damn, I thought that was going to be romantic as hell. (laughs) It was.
1: Then, after getting the other person hooked on this over the top performative love, suddenly changing, the love bomber may become manipulative, controlling, or possessive.
0: They're going to the gym together. Two women stretching,
1: and threaten to withdraw their attention if the person doesn't do what they want.
0: Postponing it is not an option. This is when we're getting married.
1: After only six weeks, Ross asks Emily to move in with him.
0: Don't be scared. (laughs) I I know it sounds crazy and and people will say it's too soon, but just, just think. Think how great it would be."
1: But this is him asking her to give up her whole life in London and immigrate, without any comparable sacrifices by him. Emily is hesitant, "'My
0: whole family lives there, and no. my job."
1: So Ross responds to her nervous reluctance by raising the stakes and dazzling her with an actual marriage proposal.
0: "'It would be different if it was way into the future and, and, and we were getting married or something."
1: "'Why don't we?' He leaps from wanting to simply solve the problem of them having to travel overseas to date to declaring it's perfect for them to be together forever.
0: It's perfect. I mean, it's better than you just just moving here because it's us together
1: forever. Ross is the one aggressively forcing this relationship forward, while Emily voices misgivings on multiple occasions. I don't
0: know. Oh, oh leaving London. If you don't understand how important this is to me, well then, Perhaps we shouldn't be getting married at all."
1: Only to give in due to the intensity of his passion. When the ongoing construction on the church where they plan to marry raises the possibility of delaying the wedding, Ross gives her an ultimatum.
0: What are you saying? It's now or never? I'm saying it's now. Or? There's no
1: or in mine. And again, he overcomes her doubts and bends her to his will by framing his demand as a romantic gesture. But his motives here seem driven less by what's right for his and Emily's love than by how it looks and what people will think if the event is canceled. Do you think my sister's
0: team Tiny little brain comprehends <laughs> that people took time out of their lives to fly thousands of miles to be here.
1: Just as in other plots, he makes numerous decisions based on what people will think about his situation.
0: I just don't want my tombstone to read Ross Geller Three Divorces.
1: After all this romantic strong arming to make the wedding happen, he then, who could forget, says his ex's name at the altar.
0: Hi, Ross. Take thee, Rachel.
1: It's literally any bride's or person's worst nightmare. Afterwards, Ross attempts to make a joke out of it.
0: That was pretty funny, wasn't it? <laughs> oh!
1: And is still trying to keep up appearances. It's like
0: a nightmare. Your My friends and family are out there. How can I face How? No, no, no. You take your time, sweetie. I'll be right out here. <laughs> She's just fixing her makeup."
1: After this, Emily decides to give Ross another chance, only to see him leaving for their honeymoon with the woman whose name he said. Now Emily just wants space to process this whole trauma, so of course Ross bombards her with generic love gestures.
0: No one will tell me where Emily is. So I'm gonna send 72 long-stemmed red roses to her parents' house, one for each day that I've known and loved her."
1: She tries to enforce clear boundaries after he calls members of her family and insults them when they won't put him in touch with her, but Ross just tells her he'll persist. After taking the time to think, Emily does want to work on the marriage, but instead of sending a few roses, she needs Ross to take some actions that actually demonstrate his commitment through some measure of sacrifice, like she's done for him. She asks him to move to London, when he refuses, is, for the valid reason that he can't leave his son, she wants him to start over with her in a new place and stop hanging out with the ex whose name he said. Frankly, it's the bare minimum most partners would expect.
0: It drives me mad just thinking of you being in the same room as her.
1: She's been offered no satisfying explanation as to why Ross said his ex's name at the altar and was about to take her on their honeymoon, and she has an accurate instinct that there is still a connection between these two. She's isolated, away from her husband, and he lies to her, telling her he won't see his ex, then actually still does.
0: How could you do this to me? I thought I'd made my feelings about Rachel perfectly clear. You obviously can't keep away from her.
1: At this point, Emily is portrayed as controlling, unreasonable, and paranoid.
0: Emily, that's ridiculous.
1: But even if she is starting to behave in a possessive, insecure, even slightly vindictive way when it comes to things like making him sell his furniture.
0: But Emily thinks Ross's furniture's got Rachel
1: cooties? It's entirely understandable. Who wouldn't with a partner who's behaving like Ross has? After Ross points out the flaws in her thinking,
0: I'll feel better when I'm there. And I can know where you are all the time. You can't know where I am all the time.
1: Emily does the mature thing and acknowledges that their relationship's trust is too damaged to recover.
0: This marriage is never going to work if you don't trust me. You're right. So, can you trust me? No.
1: But while Emily's lack of trust ends up being given as their relationship's final cause of death, in fact, Emily does initially trust him until she has reasons not to. It's Ross who baselessly mistrusts Emily earlier in the relationship.
0: Emily is just crazy about Susan. Yeah, they're going to the theater together. They're going to dinner, my girlfriend's a lesbian."
1: Ross is never really honest with Emily. Actually, to him, that's part of the appeal of their relationship, that he can be something else when he's with her. Oh
0: blimey, I still can't believe you've got an earring! Huh? I know, I know. Who am I? David Bowie.
1: In the scene when he plays rugby with her guy friends, he goes to lengths to pretend to enjoy it and prove his masculinity, even though Emily shows no signs of caring about this. More centrally, he blindsides her by not communicating about how weighty and recent his emotional history with Rachel really is. Even if it's been a minute since he and Rachel broke up, it's not that long since they considered getting back together. If anything, it's hard to understand why Emily doesn't pull the plug sooner. But this is a testament to just how effective love-bombing can be at making the recipient struggle to detach from all that intense amorous attention. Look,
0: you're, you're my wife! We're, we're married! You know? I, I love you. I, I really miss you. I miss you too. Well, at least I think I do.
1: The Friends team did want Emily to be in the show for a little longer. Actress Helen Baxendale got pregnant after season four, which is why during season five's phone calls we see her in bed, and Baxendale didn't like the tabloid attention she was receiving. But it was obvious Emily was never meant to be around when the show finished. As Friends co-creator Marta Kaufman put it, the show is about that time in your life when your friends are your family, because once you have your own family, things change. If Ross ended up with Emily, the show was, well, over. It's not all
0: laughing, happy, candy in the sky, drinking coffee at Central Park all the time. It's real life, okay? It's what grown-ups
1: This seems to be why it's only at the end of the series that Phoebe gets married, Monica and Chandler have kids, and Ross and Rachel at last unite, while Joey, the only character without a family, got his spinoff. The Ross-Rachel relationship is the show's ultimate storyline, and Emily isn't the first or last disposable love interest to be rolled out to come between them. It's been happening since Monica and Rachel's prom. Even Joey has a turn in the position of Rachel's disposable love interest. Shows like Friends feature a long series of stepping-stone love interests, but there's usually Usually, the big one, the first runner up, who represents the biggest obstacle to the main couple, and Friends does this through Ross and Emily's wedding. It's over. You know what? No, it's not over until someone says I do. It's a structural setup that unfairly turns the runner-up into an antagonist, even a villain, just because they were naive or unfortunate enough to fall for someone whose heart had already been called dibs on by another. We're encouraged to dislike the runner-up precisely for what's great about them. Whatever tempts the main person away from their soulmate. And I like Finn. He's perfect for me. And often the runner-up love interest displays opposing characteristics to the endgame love in a way that might illuminate why the true love pair are really a perfect match. In Sex in the City, Aiden is the ready-to-commit sweetheart that Carrie's primary love interest, Big, is not. So Carrie has to confront if easy commitment is really what she wants, or if she actually likes Big's unattainable nature.
0: The irony is Aiden's acting exactly the way I wish Big would've behaved, and I'm behaving just like Big.
1: Maybe you don't believe it's for real unless somebody's playing hard to get." Meanwhile, for Big, Natasha is the young, model-esque trophy wife he thinks he should have. But ultimately, life with Natasha doesn't make him happy the way his relationship with less conventionally perfect Carrie does.
0: Everything in my apartment is now beige. Beige. is bullshit.
1: I thought you wanted beige. In Friends, as a quintessential English rose, Emily is the polar opposite of all-American Rachel Green. And through this opposition, the writing affirms why, ultimately, Ross is supposed to choose Rachel. Whereas Rachel is fun and chill, the kind of girl you want to hang out with, Emily is proper and uptight, not one of the Friends. Emily is cultured and foreign, offering Ross a blank slate and the chance to be someone different. But down-to-earth Rachel is from Ross's hometown and has known him for his whole life, so it's implied she brings out the real him. It's a similar situation with Ross's other major stepping-stone girlfriends, Julie and Charlie, both scientists in Ross's field who are highly emotionally controlled, proper, and professional, whereas we often see Rachel acting impulsive, instinctive, and unfiltered. I mean, isn't that just kick you in the crotch, spit on your neck, fantastic. On the surface, Rachel isn't as well-suited to Ross as any of these women when it comes to interests, temperament, or values.
0: All we care about is that it's happy and healthy. Oh, yep, happy and healthy and cute. And smart. Popular.
1: Yet, while perhaps his other love interests better reflect the person he thinks he is, Rachel mirrors something more ineffable and basic about what he wants.
0: Okay, let's do Julie. What's wrong with her? She's not Rachel.
1: On the other end of the spectrum, Ross's girlfriends Mona and Elizabeth are a little too chill. Mona even largely supports Ross having a baby with Rachel while they're together, but this makes them poor matches for Ross, who needs elaborate drama, like he gets with Rachel.
0: I gave her a key to my apartment and then I had the locks changed. And then I lied to her about Rachel moving in with me. In a way, I... I actually judge her for not breaking up with me sooner."
1: But perhaps what's most non-Rachel about Ross's runner-up love, Emily, is that her relationship with Ross is, at first, easy, straightforward, and fast. They fall for each other right away and don't have trouble expressing it. Rachel and Ross's drawn-out, on-again, off-again, friend-zoned romance is as far as you can get from simple and easy.
0: "'Rachel and Ross, that's been one heck of a seesaw, hasn't it?'
1: So it's in this that Emily represents a more existential threat to the love story. If she and Ross really do get happily married, they'll disprove the idea that the one true love is supposed to be arrived at over time, through a long, winding road of friends eventually growing together. Alongside all Ross's behavior, Emily's plot also reveals that the friends themselves are a pretty tough crowd for an outsider to enter into, a group of six so impenetrable and codependent that four of them end up with each other. The friends rarely seem to like each other's outside partners.
0: I hear you hate me. I never said hate. I was very careful about
1: that." When Emily makes a final phone appearance in season 5, Rachel and Monica control Ross's involvement with her even further. "'We
0: have to erase that. Is that what you want?' Ross back with that controlling, neurotic, crazy Emily?"
1: But as Monica accuses Emily of being controlling, neurotic, and crazy, while vouching to delete Emily's voicemail, the joke is that Monica's embodying these attributes herself. She then runs through scenarios of disrupting the wedding, both of which Rachel has actually done.
0: What's he gonna do, like, Ross is gonna run over there on the wedding day and break up the marriage?
1: Who would do that?" So Emily is really a lens on how insular these six friends can be. And in the end, we should feel happy for Emily that at least she gets out of a situation where her husband is in love with his ex-girlfriend and will unilaterally put his friends over their marriage. In the end, by nixing the idea that Ross and Emily's whirlwind romance could be the real thing, Friends doubles down instead on the very different philosophy of love that Ross and Rachel represent.
0: "...because she's your lobster. It's a known fact that lobsters fall in love and mate for life."
1: In her 2005 book The New Single Woman, sociologist Ellen K. Trimberger writes that the idea of a bond that seems predestined is attractive, particularly in the U.S. As Trimberger puts it, "...in America, people work longer hours than anywhere else in the world, and are similarly encouraged to work on their relationships, so it's a relief to be told you could find the perfect person without any effort. And even, according to friends, that you'll be brought back together however many mistakes you make to drive each other away. "'Cause this is where I want to be." Okay, no more. The faded endgame relationship appears regularly on screen, and never so often as in the late 90s and early 2000s, after decades of women being told they could have it all, but struggling to actually find time for it all. But in an interview with Women's Health, clinical psychologist Sabrina Romanoff says that the idea that you'll meet a soulmate paves the way for significant disappointment. Instead, replace the idea of finding your soulmate with creating one through years of learning about them, navigating challenges, creating a family, and loving each other through all. the happy and hard times. Monica's relationship with Chandler, and even Rachel's relationship with Joey, fit this redefinition of the soulmate better. They develop feelings after years of friendship, based on seeing each other for what they are underneath. How long have we known each other? Um, seven, eight years. I think
0: I'm falling in love with you.
1: By contrast, Ross is so invested in the predestined soulmate myth that it's like he sees this imaginary Endgame woman everywhere he goes. He follows initial sparks to excessive ends, but Ross doesn't ever seem interested in putting in the work it would take to create a long-lasting soulmate. He'll make extreme gestures and chase Emily, Elizabeth, and Rachel to the airport, in lieu of having real, sit-down conversations about how he feels. He doesn't show much desire to listen to or learn about his partners, seeing their bids to explain their perspective to him as an attack or something boring. You fell asleep?
0: It was 5.30 in the morning, and you had rambled on for 18 pages.
1: (laughs) Front and back! We know that ever since divorcing Carol, all Ross has wanted is another wife.
0: I just want to be married again.
1: It's telling that he starts shoehorning Emily into this role right after Rachel tells him she's ready to move on with her crush, Joshua. I thought we'd gotten to a place where we could be happy for each other. I mean, was that just me? I'll do it." Ross is actively seeking something new with whoever shows up at that moment. Ross makes Emily feel she's bringing out a new spontaneous side of him.
0: Uh, Our first date, we ended up spending the whole weekend in Vermont. I mean, last night I got my ear pierced. (laughs) Me!
1: But their intense early romance is actually in keeping with him being a relationship collector, who impulsively jumps into serious relationships. Not unlike Ted on How I Met Your Mother, Ross believes so strongly in his myth of the one that he can end up acting pretty insane sensitive and thoughtless to anyone he decides isn't that one. He callously compares women's merits as if they're candidates for the role of his perfect wife.
0: The one from Poughkeepsie, even though she's a two-hour train ride away, is really pretty, really smart, and and a lot of fun. But this other girl, well, she lives right uptown. Oh, and like Julie and I, we have a lot in common because we're both paleontologists, right? But Rachel's just a waitress
1: and it's all really about him. What he loves most about Emily is how great she makes him look and act.
0: Well, I'm with you, I'm, I'm like this, this whole other guy. I love that guy. <laughs> I mean, I love you too, a lot. Uh, but, but that guy!
1: He's chasing a feeling and idea of himself. But framing a pairing as the true love isn't an excuse for treating someone else badly. The fact that this often happens in Ross' and Rachel's love lives reveals an underlying self-centeredness even childishness, to believing that the universe is set up to deliver you and your soulmate to each other, no matter how many disposable hearts are strewn along that path.
0: You say you love this man, and yet you're about to ruin the happiest day of his life. You are a horrible,
1: horrible person. Ultimately, no person is disposable, and if we're upfront, honest, and committed, we can make a soulmate out of just about anyone we have that initial spark with. I don't think that you and I were destined to end up together. I think that we fell in love and we work hard at our relationship." If Ross had made more of an effort to get to know Emily, rather than molding her into his desired wife, if he'd allowed the relationship to develop at its natural pace instead of pushing it along faster than he was ready for, and if he'd not been so set on the idea of destiny, the show's trajectory could have been different. As much as our culture makes it sound sweet to leap before you look, Emily's story reminds us that, when entering and exiting relationships, it's important to proceed with caution and handle people with care. "'I
0: mean, why not? because you've only known her six weeks, okay? I've got a carton of milk in my refrigerator I've had a longer relationship with.
1: This is The Take on your favorite movie shows and culture. Subscribe so you can watch all of our videos.